Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role joy plays in our own journey. and welcome to episode 133. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the show, you guys, I am so excited to have Suzanne Kulan on. She is a yoga expert and an author, a speaker, and the author of the book, Yoga Mind, Journey Beyond the Physical, 30 Days to Enhance Your Practice and Revolutionize Your Life from the Inside Out. I'm so excited to have her on this week to talk about her work as a a yoga instructor and student, and all about her book. She is a former senior editor for Oprah Magazine and other magazines like Details, Jane's, Harper's Bazaar, Rolling Stone, and others. And I've just found so much inspiration in what she shares this week. First, before we get there, I want to say welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you're here this week and always. If you've been listening to Jumpstart Your Joy for a while, you'll know that I'm recently really jamming and loving on this idea of practicing the vibration of joy. There have been several key interviews recently that have really fed into and helped shape some of my beliefs around the necessity of creating what I'm calling a joy practice. And some of those would be with Fred LeBlanc and Julia Samuels, along with so many of the other people that I've had on the show. What I really love about Suzanne's work and her book is that they are, they fit so beautifully into this overarching idea of practicing the vibration of joy and why it's such a necessity. So if if you haven't yet gone back and listened to that episode earlier this month, I highly recommend it. You don't have to before you start here, though. As I've dug deeper recently on the mission of this show and what I'm being called to share about joy, I see that this work is very naturally falling into four areas. And I would label these as coaching or mindfulness, action, then inspiration, and then play. Those are just the four separate ideas. (laughs) And I've got my own take on how each of these words and the ideas that they represent, how they tie into joy as a larger theme, which I'm really excited to dive into in a future solo cast. What fascinates me is that these topics all dance around and within so many of the conversations that I've already had. And I'm really excited to share my thoughts about how episodes tie into joy and those four pillars as well. You'll see as we get into this episode that Suzanne's work is touching on all four of the areas and the tenets of joy. She does coaching, she brings, you know, joy into action, she's an inspiration, and she embodies and delights in play. (laughs) So in 2002, shortly after becoming a yoga instructor, Suzanne's friend Francesco had a diving accident that rendered him unable to use his legs or arms. Suzanne felt a strong sense that she could help him and that he could possibly use the properties of yoga to help him heal from the mental, emotional, and physical trauma that he'd endured during this accident and then thereafter. In this book, Suzanne chronicles the first 12 months after Francesco's accident and she artfully weaves in the lessons that she and Fran practice together from this point of view of the yoga mind for the reader. It's such a great book. 
And I know you guys are going to love to hear this. So I, if you want to find out more information about the show and check out the past three years worth of podcast guests and episodes, or you find, want to find out links from this episode, everything is on the website, which you can find at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And the show notes for this particular episode are at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Suzanne Colon. And she spells her name S-U-Z-A-N-C-O-L-O-N also be on the homepage this week easy to access so let's get on to the show i'm so excited to have you on welcome welcome thank you i'm excited too i'm so excited to be here thank you well let's start with my favorite first question which is what did you love most as a child or in school what were your earliest sparks of joy i've been thinking about this because i you know childhood is supposed to be such a time of joy hopefully for most people um, mine was uh, alternating between like lots of joy and some rough spots too. So I really had to think like what really made me smile as a kid. And I did remember like reading for me books, getting a new book was just like that was the thing. You know, I just I loved books and reading and just losing myself in a book. So any, if that's carried over into adulthood also, <laughs> like a new book for me is like, oh my goodness, yes. And being with my grandparents, uh, my grandparents had, they lived near a beach. Uh, it's not as glamorous as it sounds. It was a very working class neighborhood in the Bronx, but it just happened to be on the beach. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of my childhood there and being there, and they knew about my love for books and cereal, so they always had a lot on hand for me. <laughs> books, many different kinds of books and lots of different kinds of cereal, and I was just in heaven there because my grandparents doted on me. And they were also, um, I think, in a spiritual sense, my first exposure to uh, the, the art of contentment. They did mm-hmm. not have a lot And they had been through in their lifetimes rather a lot. My grandfather was a veteran of World War I, which he barely survived, but did. My grandmother was a veteran of the Great Depression, which she also barely survived, but did. Mm. And they didn't have a ton of stuff, but they really knew how to find pockets of joy in their lives and uh, not get too bogged down in the past. The past had definitely left its marks on them, but they also really enjoyed life, and they were exemplars of simple pleasures, joy in a meal, joy in family, joy in companionship, watching the sunset, taking a walk on the beach. I mean, they really showed me that joy and happiness come from within, and it's also a conscious decision. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love that so much. And it's so interesting the way what I, I think both grandparents in their wisdom can teach young people such interesting things. Because I mean, the minute you said that, like I'm snapping back to a moment with my own grandmother where we were playing with little gnomes in a terrarium. And, and oh. they also, you know, they didn't have a lot, but like, right. like that moment could be filled with such joy and wonder. And yet, I mean, these were a bunch of tiny little succulents and some plastic yes. toys, right? Like, but just like you said, like the like how to sink into a moment and how to be present. I mean, no one would have used those words when I was three, but that's no. what it was. Exactly. People were very present, especially grandparents are very present with you in a way that sometimes 
parents can't be because they're like, you know, parents are trying to like take care of business. They're like organizing, they're doing things, they're doing all of the things that are, you know, meant to take care of kids and home and family and all of that. But grandparents have like a laser beam focus on grandkids. Like I'm totally here to see that smile. I want to see that smile on your face and we're going to get those plastic gnomes and this terrarium. And, and it's just, oh my goodness, that focus is just yeah. so wonderful. Yes, it really is. Thank you for thank you for sharing those. Oh, well, sure. and when, I could see totally how that then would play into some of what you do now. Would you like to explain what it is that you do? I always wonder what is it that I do exactly now. <laughs> I used to have. I, I mean, I could tell you what I used to do, and that will help uh, describe what I do now. Mm -hmm. um, I am a former senior editor of O oh, the Oprah Magazine. And I am a longtime writer. Uh, most of my writing career has been in magazines, writing for not just the Oprah magazine, but Details and Jane magazine and Rolling Stone and Harper's Bazaar and various music magazines and stuff. I, I mean, I, I've written for so many people. It's like sometimes I look at my bio and think, wow, <laughs> I <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> um, but alongside that, I started doing yoga about 25 years ago and became a yoga teacher in 2002. But what that evolved into is now I teach more about the spiritual path of yoga than I do the physical aspect of yoga, which sounds a little redundant in a way. It's kind of like saying the run of, running part of running, um, but it's not really because yoga we think of in uh, Western cultures as being a form of fitness, but it's actually a form of spiritual fitness. The physical aspect of yoga is actually a very small part of yoga, the path. So in yoga terms, what I do now would technically be called being a Raja yoga teacher, meaning yoga philosophy, yoga spirituality, um, yoga, you know, as a way of life. In the same way that Buddhism might be considered a philosophy and a path of life, or anyone's religion could be considered a path of life. So I guess that's what I teach now. I don't think I defined it any more narrowly. <laughs> I'm sort of still like, I write books, uh, <laughs> you know, yes, I, I write books and I now teach yoga as a spiritual life path. Mm. There must be an interesting story in there. How did you go from being kind of an entertainment journalist to being, you know, one getting into yoga, but then wanting to teach it? You know, um, I, I, I look back and I think to myself, really, how did that happen? And I think one of the things is that I was I didn't make the move myself so much as I was moved, um, <laughs> you know, uh, emotionally, deeply moved by certain things. One of them was doing the physical practice of yoga, and the other was finding out how much more there is to yoga than that, and that there are all these spiritual tools to it that I was finding were so useful and helpful to me in daily life. In the other 23 hours that I was not on the yoga mat, <laughs> which, you know, very helpful. I think also being at the Oprah magazine where at the time I was there, spirituality was such an important part of 
you know, uh, what the readers loved to hear more about because, you know, uh, Ms. Winfrey herself is a spiritual seeker and she really represented that desire in the readers and her viewers. And one of the reasons I, I worked there actually is because I had this kind of spiritual path or background of being a yoga and meditation instructor. And I was really interested in all of the things that Oprah was interested in, Pema Chodron, Eckhart Tolle, all, all of Thich Nhat Hanh, all of these people who really expand one's view on life. And it's kind of like the Reese's peanut butter cup of like, wow, chocolate and peanut butter go really well together. <laughs> so yeah. I think of my life now as kind of like an amalgam of my work at the Oprah magazine and my uh, path with yoga. It's like, wow, you know, <laughs> the Oprah magazine and the yoga teaching really go well together. <laughs> yeah. That sort of thing. But I think it's just, um, you know, I kind of go with the flow. And all of the celebrity stuff was uh, the celebrity journalism and the entertainment writing was a lot of fun. But after a while, I was just wanting something a little bit deeper and a little bit more where my own head was at. Mm -hmm. And that just naturally led me to writing about spirituality because that's what I love. I love finding out about different types of spirituality, but really, you know, yoga has always been my home base. Yeah. And I can so relate to the kind of my background professionally is marketing. And so yeah. there's a lot of that same, like very this worldliness in what I do day to day, but yet I keep getting pulled back into retreats or and retreat leading is my thing with now life yeah. coaching, but like, which of course is, is what a podcast is <laughs> like in some ways, like that's a beautiful connection, but like, I think what, there's something about it that we get pulled back to center, whatever that center is. So I, I can it see really it. is. It's I, true. I, I mean, you, you know, it, uh, I mean, it really is following your joy, which mm -hmm. is, you know, uh, I think in our culture, you know, there's this whole like idea of, you know, do what you love and the money will follow and all of that. And in some cases that's true. And in other cases it's, it's definitely like, well, people need a line of work that's going to support what they love, you know? And so you find like a balance there. I'm sure you coach that all the time of like finding balance and everything. Mm -hmm. It's not as though everybody can immediately walk away from their lives and just start knitting all day. <laughs> but there is no reason that they can't have the job that pays their bills and teach knitting mm -hmm. or come up with patterns to sell on, on Ravelry or that kind of thing. You know, there's always a way, but you do have to kind of listen to that little voice inside. And I talk about that in my book uh, a lot, <laughs> listening to yeah. your intuition. Yeah. Well, and also carving out the time. I mean, that's that's most recently like the thing that's like lighting me up. It's not only is this a choice, like following joy or following your passion, your bliss, whatever that word is, but like actually carving out. And I, and I think that's one of the really interesting things about what you said about yoga is that it was you would carve out the hour to do it or teach it, but then you saw that thing would unfold in your life the other 23 hours that you weren't on the mat, so to speak. So I don't know. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to talk about that? How setting an intention makes things more possible once you've set the intention for the hour? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite subjects and one of my favorite tools in, um, in yoga mind, you know, the book starts out with a story 
about my friend Francesco, who I worked with years ago, many years ago at Mademoiselle magazine. And at that time, I was just starting to get a little jaded around the edges and thinking, you know, I don't know how much longer this magazine thing is going to work for me. Francesco was fresh out of college and very like this young, exuberant, energetic, tall, model, handsome guy. And he was, he and I hit it off immediately and he became like the little brother I never had. And I just adored him. So Mademoiselle came to a close. It folded uh, during, right after the uh, September 11th terrorist attacks. A lot of magazines took a big hit. And so Francesco and I kind of lost touch. And uh, the next thing I heard about him a year later was that he had gone away on a vacation, dove into a pool and broke his neck in two places and was immediately rendered paralyzed and almost died a couple of times. And I was just absolutely, you know how you have to sit down because your legs just buckle out from underneath you. Mm -hmm. And I had a few weeks earlier just graduated from yoga teacher training. And the reason I took yoga teacher training in the first place was so that I could help people because I felt so good after doing yoga. I felt like yoga had really become such an important part of my life. And all of the spiritual aspects of it, the meditation, all of these things that were really making me happier and feeling more balanced. And I thought, wow, I really want to help people feel that way. But I really thought it was tied into the physical practice. So when I went to see Francesco, you know, it's, it's very jarring to see somebody in the hospital in a body brace, in a wheelchair, with a uh, relative's family around him looking absolutely shattered. And he's much younger than I am. So I was just like, my God, how can this happen to somebody, etc. You know, in visiting him while he was in the hospital, I kept thinking, I had this feeling it was much more than a desire that there was some way I could help him. It wasn't, gee, I wish there was some way I could help him. It was more like there is some way I can help him. And I really believe that was intuition, which I believe is uh, divinely given, telling me there's something you can do here. And I set an intention, you know, I want to help Francesco and I really need help in being guided as to how to do that. And it was revealed very shortly thereafter that he had been taken off a respirator and I was watching him breathing one night and I was like, hey, wait a minute, he's breathing. He can do this yoga breathing practice that I learned that calms you down in like less than a minute and it's in yoga mind. And I was like, I could teach him this breathing practice because he was at the time suffering from very intense PTSD. I mean, he's a very cheerful guy and he was putting on a brave face and he was like really doing that for his family. He was like, I'm fine. I'm great. I'm doing okay. I could have died. I'm really lucky. Uh, he's an extremely joyful person. Yeah, he was really, and but he was having terrible nightmares and, um, you know, there's lots of invasive medical procedures that go on when you're experiencing that kind of catastrophic accident, which is the technical term for it. And I taught him this breathing practice and he was like, wow. That's amazing. Because I said to him, Fran, do you want to do yoga? And he was like, absolutely. <laughs> so that began um, a year or more of meeting with him weekly. We did this breathing practice. We meditated together and we did his form of yoga. And I mean, it was just amazing, like the joy on his face and the incredible joy that it gave me to be able to help him not ask him to do something he couldn't do mm -hmm. but to be able to meet him where he was 
and let him have something that he had control over. It really helped him a lot. And that just, you know, so I set an intention like, I'm going to help this person, but I really need help in helping this person. And I was mm -hmm. guided. Yeah. Ooh. And that, the, oh, the, all of that is so beautiful that, I, I don't know, leaving the space for knowing that there, that you can help, but then knowing that, that there's I still more. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. It's like, oh, I want to help this person. I have no idea how to help this person. Yeah. I, I have a friend who says, I don't know is a great place to be because mm. then a world of opportunities opens up. Whereas if I say, I know, everything yeah. kind of gets narrowed down a little bit. Totally, totally agree. Yeah. Cause when we get, I mean, and there's even that, the, I don't know, it's a story or the teaching moment of the, the full teacup where, <laughs> what the you know, the, the yes. teacher keeps pouring and the student's like, stop, it's overflowing. And, and they're like, yes, exactly. And that's how you are. <laughs> like yes. when you think you know everything, we can't teach you anymore. <laughs> yes, exactly. I've met a few of those nice people in um, yoga teacher training. I've, yeah. I've taken a lot of trainings and I've trained people and there's always a few who are, you know, like really thinking they know everything. And I'm like, you really need to erase that chalkboard in your head. <laughs> I mean, from a writing perspective, I mean, and, and clearly it's it's a personal story and journey, but like, it was so beautiful to see the story of your relationship with Fran and, and his journey, like woven through how yoga mind works, because I, I think that was, it's really refreshing as a, as a writing, like as, as the reader to experience it. But it's also like really beautiful because it shows us that each of us can take something from this yoga mind and apply it. Like you don't have to be you know, you don't have to be some sort of person who studied yoga for years or have the perfect body. Like there's a starting point oh, for all of us. Goodness. Yeah, no, I mean, you don't even have to quote unquote do yoga. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, I'm sort of on a, a mission in a, in a sense to expand the meaning of yoga in, yeah. in, uh, in this country and, and uh, in other Western cultures where yoga is not something that people grew up with, like in India. You know, I mean, everybody knows yoga is a spiritual path and not necessarily uh, synonymous with the physical aspect. They would refer to it as asana, which mm -hmm. is the physical practice. But for us, it's sort of like I really want people to know that um, Francesco is in a wheelchair and he can, quote unquote, do yoga. He does a breathing exercise, he does meditation, but also, I mean, what I saw unfold over that year of our weekly get-togethers was he really exemplified all of the spiritual tools for better living that I learned about in my various yoga teacher trainings. I mean, all of the spiritual studies that I've been doing for 25 years, he really just embodied all of these like principles and practices and ethics and ways of being and ways of relating with people. And I was astounded because I was like, wow, you know, he hasn't been studying this stuff like I have for years, but he's embodying it, which showed me that these are universal principles. Anybody, you know, yoga is not a religion. So lots of people in my family are, you know, they are, they're Christian and they're reading the book and they're like, oh, you mean it's kind of like this in the Bible? Yep, absolutely. 
<laughs> and yeah. you don't have to be on a yoga mat and you don't have to be like, quote unquote, physically able. I love, you know, I loved as a yoga teacher working with differently abled people, but you don't have to actually do yoga or asana practice to get a lot out of this book. It's designed for people to use when they're not on the yoga mat, not when they are. There's plenty of yoga books out there that can teach you how to do the physical practice. The world does not <laughs> need that from me. But uh, yeah, just like doing these principles for better living, it is more of a universal thing. Yeah. That's kind of my mission now. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, and I know in the book, you kind of, you walk through the principles and one of the places that you start is with Maitri. Is that, have I pronounced it correctly? People pronounce it both Maitri and Maitri because of the way it's spelled, M-A-I-T-R-I. Um, yeah. So I've, I've heard both. I've, I'm no expert in phonetics, especially Sanskrit phonetics. So right. I'm going to say, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting because I know you also, you mentioned Pema Chodron being someone that you, you were drawn to. And that's the first introduction I'd had is her writing on Maitri. Um, it, and it's it's kind of self-love and kindness and acceptance. And do you want to talk about it a little bit? I know when I read through your book, I loved that you were also tying it to people that are kind of sunny side up that like it's yeah. so if you would explain that I just loved how it relates to joy I also love Pema Chodron's take mm. on Maitri and uh, or Maitri and um, <laughs> and, um yeah I, I usually have come across this principle of kindness in relationship to other people and I think that uh, it's a beautiful concept especially now when people seem to have really taken the gloves off and are priding themselves on being as brutal as possible <laughs> in every arena. Um, so kindness, it's also something that in my own personal experience and in talking to other people, one small act of kindness can really change your day. Um, if you're you know, not feeling so great on a particular day and the person who gives you your coffee has put a beautiful design of a heart in it, smiles at you and says, have a great day. It really, I'm like, oh, thank you for that. I just really needed that. So kindness, you know, usually toward others, you know, it can be a game changer both for the recipient and for the giver. But I also really think that it's a very, very important and vastly underutilized tool toward ourselves. Because, you know, one of the exercises that I have in yoga mind is spend a day observing your inner dialogue and just see, is it more positive or is it more negative? Are you finding yourself being overly critical? Would you speak to a friend the way you're speaking to yourself? It's just an interesting exercise because sometimes we just don't even realize what the inner dialogue tone is like. And if you do find, as I have, sometimes the inner dialogue is very critical, mm -hmm. then Maitri is a great tool to use to switch that around. So you can start being kinder to yourself and say, hey, you know what, I'm just trying something new. I'm going to see how it goes. I'm going to be gentle with myself. Or I didn't do so badly there. You know, I, I don't sound bad in my presentation at work or, listen, I can only accomplish so much in a day and I'm not going to beat myself up for having a long to-do list. I'm just going to congratulate myself on the things that I have done. And 
what a difference it makes. It's, it's really one of my favorite tools in yoga mind. Mm. Yeah. And that's one of the places we started back in life coach training was, was honestly with Maitri was how can I see this as a beginner's, you know, how am I a beginner here? How does this open up beginner's mind? And and then just like, I love what you said, like the inner critic gets so loud sometimes and we don't even realize it's chattering away. But then to meet it with kindness is like, it almost is unexpected, even though even though it's your own inner dialogue. It's like, what? Oh, you want to hear me? Or you're not being critical back at me? Like, oh, just the beauty that it extends to yourself is, I don't know, it's refreshing. It really is. It really is. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's kind of the reason that I started my good morning posts back last year at some point. I can't remember exactly when, but I thought, you know, there's a lot of negativity in the world and I would really like to counteract that with some positivity. And so on Facebook and Instagram, I began putting these, you know, good morning, divine lights, good morning, beautiful people, and just posting words of encouragement that frankly, I needed to hear because mm -hmm. I was writing this book and thinking, who are you to write this book? What mm -hmm. do you have to say? Hasn't this been said so much better so many times before by bigger people <laughs> than you? <laughs> Who's going to want to read this? Who's going to publish? And I just thought, oh my goodness, really? <laughs> and so I started writing things that I would like to hear. And surprisingly, people would say, uh, you know, on Instagram, I'd get comments like, I really needed this today. Thank you. Oh, wow. This, this changed my day. Or I'm going to try this. And I was like, you know something? <laughs> Apparently, I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, all right, I put an act of kindness out there into the world. That's good. That yes. feels good. Mm, I love that. Well, and I love that you've also tapped into and, and just shared so many people who are creative, I mean, it's so easy to have that same inner dialogue of who am I to? That's honestly, my inner critic's like, oh, she knows that one. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's definitely my favorite is my, who am I to? So I think it's so interesting to hear. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the process and it's, it, it, it comes is. up for others. <laughs> yeah. It's a strange, you know, my theory about it is that it is, the mind's extremely unskillful, wonky attempt at protecting you. Mm -hmm. Because if you try new things, there's the risk of failure, and the failure is painful, and the mind does not like pain. And so occasionally it will try, oh, you shouldn't do that, but we don't listen to that because it's not strong enough. And then the mind tries, well, there's a risk of failure here. And, and you go, well, I'm going to push through it because I want to try this new thing. And then the mind goes, who are you today? You know, like, all right, I'm going to bring out the big guns now. I'm going to take you down so you don't do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, I, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert uh, oh, yeah. covered this brilliantly in Big Magic. You know, that was one of the things where I was like, you know, she covered this already. You know, and I'm like, no, I'm bringing something different to the table. It's okay. Shush, shush, yeah. mind. I understand what this is now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then that, that, meeting it with kindness and saying, yes, I hear you, but this is different. And here we go. <laughs> yes. And here yeah. we go. And We're going we go. anyway, because yeah. really you look at the alternative and that's not so great. You know, the alternative, because I'd sometimes ask the fear, imagining it to be somewhat of a separate entity that resides in my head. I would mm -hmm. say, all right, well, what else am I going to do? 
And the fear would not have an answer for that. Fear is not terrifically inventive. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, well, what else is there? What other path is there? And really the question then became, who am I to ignore my intuition? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a, it's not, it's not a dead end. It's actually now the open road. And it's like, oh, well, okay then. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that, that's amazing and open. I love that open road instead of it just being closed off. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you can't really say no. I mean, you yeah. could, but you'd be you crazy. Can. You can. I mean, for some people, they may have to say no for a, a short time, you know, or, or, or some amount of time, you know, maybe it's like, I like that idea, but I'm not really there just yet. And, and, and that's fine. That's perfectly valid. Sometimes people have to warm up to things. That's really okay. You have to honor those feelings. But if you do find that it keeps coming up for you, <laughs> then you might have to honor those feelings. Right. Yeah, it is the things that keep coming back up and you just can't say no after a while. Intuition won't let you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. One of the other things I love that I feel like came through when you were talking about your grandparents too is Santosha, which is contentment. Um, Mm. And I think people don't give contentment enough credit. (laughs) I mean, I don't don't know if that's something. It's true. You're absolutely right. It's the idea of contentment doesn't really play these days. (laughs) No, it doesn't. You've got to be either wildly enthusiastic and elated about something, or you got to, you know, you're in the devastated part. You really have to bounce back. You know, the idea of contentment, of just being content, uh, even saying just, I don't mean just being content. Contentment is actually considered in spiritual circles to be a very high attainment. I mean, being content is, is like, I mean, in yoga and Buddhism and in most spiritual and religious circles, the idea of contentment, meaning to be, you know, uh, one meaning is to be without wants. Like you're sitting there and you're like, I am really good right now. I am okay. I don't want anything to be different. I don't need anything to be different than it is right now. Because when you think of it, for much of our, our waking hours, we're wishing things would be different. You know, oh, I'd rather not be here. I'd rather be doing something else. I'd rather be eating something else. I'd rather be buying something else or, you know, whatever it is. And there's this constant kind of chasing attitude of like, when I get that, that's when I'm going to be happy. (laughs) And that's a terrible way to live. Whereas what yoga has taught me is that uh, I can really find many, many occasions where I'm just, I'm sitting and thinking like, wow, everything is really great right now. And it's not dependent on externals. It's really, contentment is an inside job. I mean, there are lots of wonderful spiritual teachings from people who have been incarcerated, whether due to criminal activity or uh, they have been taken prisoner in, in wars and things like that, where even they can find moments of peace. I talk about this in Yoga Mind. One of my experiences, one of my very profound experiences with Santosha, with contentment, was going to oncology appointments with my friend Marnie, whose story I also tell in the book. She was diagnosed with terminal cancer, which you can imagine is not a very joyful time at all. 
And so we were going on all of these doctor's appointments. I was able to go with her because I was freelance at the time. You know, they asked the same questions over and over, you know, name, age, occupation, uh, where do you live? Uh, what kind of pain are you having? When did you first notice? And it's the same thing. And what they're trying to do is make sure that all of the medical teams are on board. Mm -hmm. But it does get just stultifying after a while. It's just like name, age, occupation, she'd start. So one day, I, we just, you know, she had to go in for a pretty major uh, surgery. And we just, you know, we started getting a little mischievous. <laughs> so when they said occupation, I, she took this deep sigh, like, oh, here, I have to go again. And she was very weak at the time and very ill. And I said, she works in a nuclear power plant. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, I'm sorry, it's not what it says here. And I'm like, yeah, you know, Marn, I really wish you had taken their advice and worn the hazmat suit when you were dealing with the nuclear disposal, the waste, you know. And she's like, yeah, but it's so unattractive. You know, it's baggy, doesn't come in any colors. You know, it's not, if only they could belt it, maybe. <laughs> and we cracked up. And these poor doctors and nurses were looking at us like, what on earth is wrong with them? Well, what was wrong with us is that we were terrified. You know, yeah. I mean, you hear terminal cancer and you're really like, wow, is there any uh, wiggle room in there? Not really. Okay. And um, we found a pocket of Santosha by being our usual mischievous, giggling selves. I also met Marnie while working at a magazine and we used to be in these very intense issue planning meetings and we like passing notes to each other and trying not to snort laugh our coffee out of our noses. and <laughs> We just had the best time. So we, that's when we were us and we reverted to that to get through these oncology appointments, which were just brutal. And it worked, you know, I mean, even in really upsetting circumstances, you can find pockets of Santosha of contentment. Mm -hmm. And it's it's beautiful. I mean, that really got us through the day. It was incredible. Yeah, because and I like what you you said it now, and I know you say it in the book too. Is something about you return to to us, meaning to you and to to your kind of a natural state for you and Marnie. It yes. was like a a touch point back to you no, know, this is who we are. Not not this physical experience we're having right this moment, but this connection that we have. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of emphasis in yoga about getting to your true self. And that's who we truly were, you know, these kind of like immature, giggly ladies. <laughs> you know. And I was I got a glimpse of that. And it was, as you say, it was like a touchstone. It was like, oh, right, we're not defined by this one experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're still us. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting, because, you know, having also navigated medical situations mm -hmm. or things that are hard in life. I think there's a lot of what out, outside judgment that comes in when people kind of, I don't know, when you're not taking it seriously, right? Like, I think there's something odd that goes on. Like somehow people are supposed to be a certain way. And when, when you break from that, it seems unusual, but yet I feel like we really need to make room for what you're calling these pockets of Santosha because otherwise it's too much. Like we just get overwhelmed. And it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely true what you're saying. And it, I've seen it firsthand with Francesco because mm -hmm. now he's kind of well known. I mean, he's, he uh, launched a skincare company called Clark's Botanicals and he's on QVC all the time and he's written a book and he's, he's kind of a celebrity now. I'm amazed he even has time for me, but um, <laughs> and he somehow makes time for me. But 
in the beginning, before people knew him, being in a wheelchair, uh, first of all, physically puts you no longer on eye level with people. And he's right. actually quite tall. He's, he's about 6'2 or 6'3. Six, six, so he was kind of used to towering over most people, but now he's sitting down all the time. And people would actually not look at him and talk over him to the point that when he and his family went out for one of their first, like, we're going to a restaurant, oh my God, like after he got out of the hospital and they're like going out to a restaurant and it's kind of a big deal and the waiter comes over and, you know, I mean, this person did not mean any harm or anything. They were just not skillful at interacting with people who have, you know, different abilities. But he actually asked Francesco, he ordered a, you know, a, like a lychee martini or something like that. And the, the server said to Francesco's mother, is that okay? Is it okay if he has that drink? And, you know, just the idea of like, are you kidding? So, <laughs> you know, Francesco made some joke of like, um, hi, I'm right here. I'm not deaf and I can answer the question. It's really okay for me to have a martini. <laughs> and he wasn't angry, but he was just kind of like, dude, I'm sitting right here. I can yeah. see you and hear you. And because he's got such a great sense of humor, he could joke about it, and that's who he truly is. But yeah, for uh, a person who is receives a diagnosis or is differently abled, I think they probably go through this every day where it's like, you really have to remember, this doesn't define you. It's part of you. It's part of your life. But, you know, other person, please look me in the eye and deal with it. <laughs> you know, it's like, and and by finding those pockets of santosha of contentment with who you really are i think that makes it a lot easier for everybody to oh okay sorry just had a stumbling moment it's all right it's all right let's you know let's just like talk and be together and be okay with all of this yeah well because it's kind of i mean maybe a christian word but like a moment of grace like yes, it, yes. and i think it invites like i could see when you're talking about marnie and that moment you guys were also inviting all these serious, I'll call them characters, but the doctors and whoever else was in the room to touch in or, you know, check in with, oh, that's right. There, there is something other than this moment. Like there's something bigger than this moment. And these two yeah. are people that, that we're going to work with. Like there's something really beautiful about everyone saying yes to a little pocket of Santosha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something that sort of breaks up the day. I understand where the doctors were coming from because oh, it's totally. heartbreaking work that they do. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, they actually kind of enjoyed it <laughs> because they were just like, all right, you guys, you got to settle down. We got work yeah. to do here. And we're like, okay. <laughs> but I mean, five seconds later, we were doing something else bad, like stealing pens or something like that. Um, <laughs> I love your mischievous spirit. That's so awesome. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, Unfortunately, sometimes it's bred from desperation, but I say to people, give into it because if it's going to carry you through something, you know, uh, I'm, I'm very big on joy. I'm very big on happiness. I'm, I'm very big on following intuition. And uh, part of that is because people go through such desperately hard times. And if they do this, if they do find those little pockets of joy uh, through Santosha, through kindness, through any of a number of things that can really carry you through that mm. can get you through uh, a desperately sad time. And, yeah. you know, I, I read an amazing book when I was um, at the Oprah magazine called how we choose to be happy, which mm. I talk about in yoga mind yeah. and that title alone, you know, happiness is a choice. 
And sometimes it's a very difficult choice because for people who are dealing with depression, chronic depression, chronic pain, whoa, I mean, that's a yeah. tall order. But I think that we can still do that. And you can still find moments during the day where you just say to yourself, really? Oh, my goodness. Or, you know what? I'm going to do this. <laughs> and it's just that can carry you through. It gives you a lot of strength. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And and I think I, I also love that just a bit ago, you also mentioned that it's not necessarily what those moments of contentment you said is an inside job. And it's something that someone even in a really dire situation can choose. And and it's it's not naive and it's not simplistic and it's not like a, a Pollyanna moment. I mean, that's not where any of this comes from. And I think it's it's a very interesting place because it really it is a a practice. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit as well, but like, yeah, how yeah. how do you see it working through as a practice? Um, it is like any muscle, and I do love this analogy that's been made. Uh, you know, something that you strengthen with use, mm -hmm. and um, you know, something that you mentioned before about the sunny side up people. Uh, you know, I've known plenty of people, as you have, as your listeners have, who seem naturally geared toward being optimistic and others who seem naturally geared toward not being optimistic. Perhaps for the natural optimists, life is a little bit easier to deal with. And for the natural pessimists, I think there's uh, a lot of spiritual uh, gymnastics, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. that need to be time at the spiritual gym. I was listening to a wonderful interview with, uh, do you remember Rick Springfield, the mm -hmm. singer? Yeah. yeah. So my friend Lori Majewski was interviewing him as part of her uh, radio show on Sirius XM. And uh, I did not know that Rick Springfield, who's, you know, like responsible for some really great pop music like Jesse's Girl and stuff like that, has he suffers from terrible depression. Oh, wow. And yeah, terrible, debilitating depression. Um, and uh, he has turned to uh, spiritual principles and tools to help deal with it. Meditation uh, is a biggie for him. And he really has to work hard at maintaining. And he's married and he has grown children now and everything. And he's got a thriving career and all, all of the things that people would think, you know, dude, you're Rick Springfield. You should be happy all the time. He's really not. And he really works hard at, you know, maintaining. And it's a practice. I think it's a practice for most people. You don't have to be in either extreme of being this natural optimist, um, which I think Francesco is a very, he's a very optimistic person. But I mean, certainly uh, going through the things he's had to go through, his medical diagnosis is that he's quadriplegic. He has regained some movement in his arms and upper body, but he is still in a wheelchair and uh, he needs, you know, round the clock care and things like that. And still, he, you know, I think some of the most rigorous work he's had to do is the practice of, I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and I'm going to do stuff. Mm. And if I don't know how to do what I'm doing, you know, and he said to me one day, and I, I tell the story in Yoga Mind, he said one day, I, um, I need to do more than physical therapy. I have a brain and frankly, I'm bored. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you want to do? And he said, I'm going to launch a skincare company. I said, do you know how to do that? And he said, no, I'll figure it out. I'll learn. And he did. Mm -hmm. And now he's, he's sold in all of these, his products are sold in all these high-end stores. He's on QVC. He's a total rock star. It's amazing. And that, 
speaks to just making a practice of this. If there were one way for us to be happy all the time, I'm sure we would do that thing. But there are actually many ways for us to achieve a sort of lasting sense of happiness and contentment and have these great moments of joy that help us deal with things that are definitely not okay and not happy. And um, whether it's personal or uh, a more global thing, like, you know, just watching the news every night, you have many reasons to sort of shake your head and go, dear, (laughs) what's this world coming to? And you can still find a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, a lot of balance. And that's what I wanted to share with people because that's certainly what I've found on the path, the spiritual path of yoga. I really just wanted to share that with people in yoga mind. It's like, okay, you don't have to, you maybe not have the time to do 25 years of study of a spiritual path. And in case you don't, here's a 30-day program where I give you 30 of the tools that you can start practicing with. It's kind of like ordering gym equipment. Mm-hmm. And when it gets to your house, you can't just put it in the basement. You got to actually use it. Fortunately, these things aren't too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it's and it's true. And it's so it's such a it's such a lovely book. Thank you. And it I mean it really I was thinking about it this morning. It really does feel like such it's a lovely companion to things like what the writings of Pema Chodron and and some of those other pieces, but it's it's also so different and and so applicable. And that's I really love books that are are that. Like here's how you do it and here's here's feel, some things yeah. to try with it. So um, yeah, I, I love books like that. I mean, uh, of the books that I've, I've read many, many, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now, and it's just like full of spiritual books. I'm like, my goodness, I've got a lot of these. But, you know, one of the things that's come up in reading all of these spiritual texts, and, um, you know, some of them are, are very, very, you know, uh, dense spiritual texts, and others are stories of people going through their daily lives. And, you know, they were not, you know, Tibetan monks sitting on a mountaintop. They were people working jobs, having families, going through stuff. And those are the books that I really hold dearest is um, the story of a person overcoming obstacles and finding a way to, to live well and do good. I love those. And to tell you what to do, like, exactly. (laughs) Like, please, it's wonderful that you've inspired me with the story. Now tell me what to do. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, I like telling, I love telling the story of Francesco because it is so inspiring and beautiful. I share the knowledge that I've accumulated over 25 years of studying yoga and then, thanks to my Oprah magazine training, I know how to do a step-by-step thing. I'm like, and here's what you do. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's wonderful. If someone um, would like to find your book or, or find you and be in touch, where, where, can, they, where can they do that? Um, they can find the book anywhere books are sold. So, uh, you know, local bookstore or Amazon, it's on barnesandnoble.com, Powell's, all of the usual you know, wherever you find your books, you'll be able to find Yoga Mind. It's published by Scribner. The official title is Yoga Mind Journey Beyond the Physical, 30 Days to Enhance Your Practice and Revolutionize Your Life from the Inside Out. 
and that's what it is. For more about me, you can visit my website, which is SuzanneColon.com, and that's S-U-Z-A-N-C-O-L-O-N.com. And Wonderful. also find me on Instagram, Suzanne A. Cologne. And uh, on Facebook, I'm on Spiritual Surfer Sangha. Wonderful. And I'll link up to those in the show notes. Thank you. Um, and let's jump to the last two questions. If, yeah. if uh, Where have you seen resistance come up in your life and how have you overcome it? Oh, resistance um, is usually in the form of <laughs> immediately following some new thing that I want to do, whether it's writing a book or learning how to knit. I have the initial enthusiasm of, I want to write a book. I want to learn how to knit or whatever it is. And then immediately follows, um, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know how I would do, oh, I don't, you know, plenty of people have written books before, knitting, you're not very coordinated, I don't, you know, it's, it's just, it's kind of like, they hold hands, those two things, enthusiasm and fear, they just hold hands and they just are inseparable, they're like twins with completely opposite characteristics, so there's always resistance, it's fear. It's fear, and I won't say just fear because sometimes fear is a friend and you have to listen to it. It's there for a reason. And how have I overcome it? Um, <laughs> if it's something I genuinely don't have to be afraid of, like, really, knitting, you're terrified? <laughs> I just, I think the best thing is I set my intention. I speak it aloud. I'm going to learn how to knit. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to, and, and I just listen to the fear babbling in the background. Now you're going to get hurt. You're going to, you know, just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do this thing anyway. And I, I'm, I'm kind of a doer. I'm a dreamer, but I'm also a doer. I really, I really love doing things. And so occasionally I just do it with the fear. You know, I, a, a friend of mine says, you know, all right, you're scared. Do it anyway. You may have to do it scared, but just do it. And I love that. I may have to do it scared, whatever it is, but I'm going to do it. I love that too. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh, just do it scared. <laughs> yeah, do it scared. That's good. That is good. Yeah, I love dancing in that excited and terrified zone. That means that magic is very yeah. nearby. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know it. Well, and last and most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? In other people's lives, going back full circle, I say be kind. Any opportunity you get to be kind, it will, the payback is joy. It's, you know what, it's, it's a great reason to do it. You know, most people say be kind to others because it's the right thing to do. And yes, it is. It's true. But you also get payback of instantaneous joy. So let mm. the other person drive in front of you. Okay, fine. It wasn't your turn. I'm still going to let you do it and not give you the finger. I'm going to be kind about it. Um, you know, if you see somebody who's having a rough day, just say, hi, how are you doing? Can I help? Any kind of kindness. So for other people, um, and that also applies to the world because I'm a big believer in we all have a job to do. And that job is generating peace. And generating peace is relatively easy to do. It can be, um, you know, adopting an animal from a shelter. Uh, it can be calling up a friend who you haven't heard from in a while and calling them, not texting, not Facebook, whatever, actually calling them and saying, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. How are you doing? 
things anywhere you can see to generate peace, it will bring you joy, believe me. And for yourself, I say that there is something that you have been wanting to do that you may have been putting it off. And I worked with an expert at the Oprah magazine who said someday does not exist. Mm. It does not exist. You must begin whatever you want to do. Begin it today. And it is very simple. Whatever it is that you want to do, no matter how small or how large, you can begin today by acknowledging that desire. You know something? I want to do that thing. The surge of joy you will feel is just incredible. <laughs> and I had the privilege to see uh, Martha Beck give a, a lecture, a very small salon in one of the magazines where I work. And she said, something you're wanting to do, consider it. Does it bring you a sense of joy? Go toward that. Does it make you feel sick to your stomach? Move away from that thing. <laughs> she said, it's very, very simple. <laughs> That's the barometer that I like to use. <laughs> I like that one too. Mm, Suzanne, thank you so much for being on today. It's just a real oh, treat to get to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the way you're generating peace in the world by telling people, you know, find the joy, spark the joy, create the joy, because we really need more of that in our lives. And you're really, you're doing something really important here. It's not frivolous. It's important work to find and create joy. And I really appreciate you telling people about that and telling them how to do it. So thank mm -hmm. you. Suzanne, it was such a treat to have you join me this week. Thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your book and all of your joy in Yoga Mind. <laughs> if you want to find out more or purchase Suzanne's book, it's available now. You can get links for that at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Suzanne Colon. And there'll be links to all the other things that we talked about as well. Coming up on Thursday, that's right, this week is one of those weeks where I have two episodes coming up, and you know what that means. It's time for the Friendpreneur series <laughs> this week. It's Michelle Ward. She's coming back. This will be her fourth time on the show. She's joining me to talk about her 10 years, oh my gosh, of being in business as an entrepreneur, how she ran a marathon recently, and... She's giving us some really great actionable friendpreneur tips about revisiting your offerings as an entrepreneur as you grow and change. And we also talk about practicing the fine art of imperfect and done. I just know you are going to love what she has to say and that you can take a ton of inspiration from the conversation for your own business or coaching program by tuning in with us. Plus, we laugh a lot, so that's pretty awesome, too. So I hope you will come back on Thursday for that special episode. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with joy. <laughs>